Welcome back to the Locked On Atlantic Division Preview. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller from Locked On Senators, and we are joined by Ian McLaren from Locked On Bruins. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm good, fellas. Uh, how are you? Doing fantastic, man. Hockey's in the air, so there's nothing better than that. What's the, the number one story at a Bruins training camp right now? Oh, right now? Uh, I mean, it's been a bit of a slow burn for... Uh, to start things up a lot of the veteran guys are you know taking their time to get into it probably the biggest story is i don't know anton strawman jumping in on a pto yep. whether or not nick felino is going to be a contributor this season uh and then some of the young guys trying to make uh trying to make an impact in some preseason games and try to maybe bump some of the vets off the roster and and grab a spot of their own you think there's a chance fabian lee sal sticks this year I I would like to see it. Uh, I expect that he'll probably be in Providence for uh, for the season. Uh, you know, he's got all the skill in the world. Needs to get more used to the pro game. He's only played in the WHL over here in North America. Uh, he's one of those guys that is eligible to play in the uh, the the AHL instead of having to go back to junior hockey. So he could probably use a bit of a taste of the pro game and, uh, you know, get more of that physical side of his game in check before he uh, gets up with the big guys, I think. Yeah, Pilsy, that's that's kind of what we wish the other Vancouver Giant would have had. Uh, he was, Lysel was teammates with Zach Ostapchuk, right, uh, right, Sen's right. prospect last year, and we're like, man, the AHL is perfect for him. He's 6'3", <laughs> yeah. 200 pounds. He doesn't need to dominate against 16-year-olds. So that's lucky that Lysel, because he was drafted out of Europe, can – can make the move after just one year bells yeah for sure yeah now uh ian i think uh for everyone not inside the bruins universe non-bruins fans just in the mm -hmm. hockey uh, sphere here everyone is kind of looking at this year like the last dance for the bruins you get uh bergeron and Krejci back in what can only be described as team friendly deals uh i, <laughs> I had to double check i was looking for it on cap friendly i was like Wait, are they not signed? I thought they were. Oh, we just got to scroll all the way down to the bottom <laughs> to see their salaries at uh, yeah. very minimal contracts there. But what's the feeling like for Bruins fans? Like, does this feel like, a, okay, let's get a, get the band back together. Let's make one last push and then we'll, we'll restart, rebuild, uh, start things over again. Or is this just business as usual? This team's going to keep uh, humming along here. You know, I'm, a, I'm kind of of two minds about this. I think the real last dance was in 2019, to be honest. Okay. You still had Zidane Chara in the mix. Yep. You still had Tori Krug in the mix. Tuka Rask. Like, those were... That was the core, along with Brad Marchand, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron. So this is kind of a a post-last dance, if you will. Um, the encore last dance. The yeah, encore. yeah. I don't necessarily <laughs> see it as... Uh, I mean, there's no guarantee that this is the final season for Patrice Bergeron. He signed a one-year deal. It could be a situation where he just, you know, reevaluates after the season for the next couple of years. Reigning Selkie Trophy winner, so he obviously has, you know, a high-end game still there. Um, when it comes to Krejci... Oh, sorry, do you laugh when every single year in the draft, somebody's like, oh yeah, they're, they're like the next Bergeron? <laughs> every yeah, year! yeah. yeah. I've heard that. You hear that every year. Anthony Sorelli and Colin White. Uh, we had that yeah, before. Col I was yeah. like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there will never be another Patrice Bergeron unless you know someone w wins six Selkie trophies. Um, it's just unreal what he's been able to do in his career, and 
I mean, when he does move on, it's going to be a huge loss for the Boston Bruins. It's it's not something that you can replace. Um, so every year that he is in the lineup, it's just, uh, you know, something that Bruins fans need to cherish and, uh, and hope that, you know, he can keep it going for one more year until it actually does come about that he uh, announces his retirement. Yeah, well, you've got two numbers going up in the rafters then, pretty guaranteed, 33 and yep. 37 for Chara mm-hmm. and Bergeron. Is there anyone else from this last, like, basically since 2011 when they won the Stanley Cup? Like, that core's been together. Is there anyone else that you'd retire their number? I mean, I've heard arguments for uh, for Tugarask. He's the winningest goalie in uh, Bruins history. Doesn't have the cup as a starter, which if if they won in 2019, then he'd certainly be up there. Uh, you hear Brad Marchand, maybe, yeah. David Krejci. The thing with Chara and Bergeron is they both have the cups, and they both have individual awards as well, which kind of separates them uh, from the pack. Although Rask does have a... Vesna to his credit as well uh, so I could see maybe uh, Rask but it's kind of borderline for for Marsh and, and Krejci as well we'll see what David Pasternak's able to do over the the remainder of his career he does have a Richard trophy he's been to the finals once so maybe yeah. uh, he could be a candidate as well yeah and especially those two guys in Bergeron and Chara like those were the the cornerstones of the leadership of this mm-hmm. Bruins era. So I think that's uh, definitely important too. Now, I was mentioning I was on uh, the Cap Friendly page. I'm looking at it right now, Ian. And the reason I, I kind of penned that question, is this the last dance, is because when you're looking at it, there are 11 players on this roster that are on one-year deals. So mm-hmm. for me, it really seems like the Bruins are like, okay, we'll put it all together here. And then if it no matter whether it works or doesn't work, we have a lot of flexibility to either re-sign a bunch of these guys or let a bunch of these guys go and start fresh. If if they decided to start fresh, do you think a lot of these guys would be returning? Like, let's say this year doesn't go the way the Bruins plan, maybe a first-round exit, something like that. Do you think this is the time where they would cycle the or shuffle the deck, I should say? Or do you think a lot of these guys, they want to keep back and keep the status quo? I mean, that was one of the reasons why I was pretty sure that Bergeron was coming back this season is because, you know, last year they added a bunch of these kind of uh, veteran guys on two-year deals, like a Nick Foligno, uh, Thomas Nosek, Eric Howlub before he got traded. Um, it really does seem, yeah, like if it doesn't work out this year, then there's a good opportunity to retool, rebuild on the fly, what have you. Um, I could see a lot of those kind of non-core guys being moved out, being replaced with some younger options, or investing that money in some free agents. Uh, But I don't think it would be a situation where, you know, they would, like, (laughs) I know it happened with Zidane Chara, where they basically were like, we're moving on. I can't see them doing that with Patrice Bergeron, as long as he and Krejci want to play in black and gold, I think there'll be a, an opportunity there for them. Um, but kind of those non-core guys like a Nick Foligno, um, you could see them kind of moving on and not being retained as, as Bruins next season. So, Ian, we've had a lot of experience with this. So if you need advice throughout the season of how to deal with players in the final year of their contract and all <laughs> yeah. the noise that comes around with it, we are your guys for that. However, David Pasternak is no doubt 
going to get an enormous raise on the six point mm-hmm. six million dollar cap hit he's got right now. What's the vibe in Bruins land? Is he going to play out the season? Is he still negotiating? Where are things at with Pasta? Um, it's a situation I think where he uh, is comfortable entering the season without a deal. Um, there was some talk over the summer that he was maybe questioning the Bruins future. Like we were just talking about what's going to happen after the season with some questions of who he'd play with down the middle. Uh, if the Bruins can sustain the success they've had over the last several years. Um, ultimately, I think there's an appetite on both sides to get a deal done. Uh, he took a lot of time over the summer to kind of refresh physically, mentally. He had you know personal tragedy before last season that uh, I'm sure he's still dealing with. Um, so it wasn't front of mind per se, but I believe uh, ultimately it will uh, get done. We're not going to see a, a kind of Johnny Godreau situation. Um, and I think, yeah, he's going to become the highest paid player in Bruins history. I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, I could see a situation where it's like eight times 88 to get to his number. So it's 11, 11 <laughs> per year. Uh, I know a lot of Bruins fans are hoping that it's eight years, 8.8 per, which I don't think is really realistic. Uh, he's going to get double digit millions for sure. And, uh, and rightfully so. You know, Charlie McAvoy set the standard for a new kind of deal in Boston. No longer those team-friendly kind of uh, contracts that they got from their star players in the past. And he's going to get paid like one of the better wingers in the league, which which he is, so rightfully so. Yeah, he, he dummies Ottawa every year. He's 27 <laughs> points in 21 career games against the oh. Sens. Yeah, special player for sure. Yeah. Yeah, now, um, how, when are Marchand and McAvoy expected to come back, Ian? So they are, uh, always have to differentiate. They're expected to come back around Thanksgiving, and that would be American Thanksgiving. So they're probably going to miss six weeks of the season. Uh, hopefully they're back for the Black Friday game, which they always play every year. Um, but it should be around December 1st that, uh, that both of those guys should be back yeah, I, I know as Sens fans, we're, we're feeling blessed that the home opener is against the Bruins without mm. a McAvoy and Marchand. Yeah. Now, how kind of nervous are Bruins fans that maybe the start of the season they're going to fall a bit behind and they're going to have to play major catch-up here? It's 22 games until December 1st, so that's yeah. a quarter of the season. Pretty big so, jump. That's a big deal, yeah. So, of course, things can change, but on on Wednesday, September 28th, it looks like the lines for the Bruins are Krejci, Taylor Hall, David Pasternak, Bergeron, Zaka, and DeBrusque, Coyle, Frederick, and Craig Smith, and then a fourth line, either Stunika, Wagner, and Lysal, or Kopanen, Felino, and Letary. What's the one battle that you're watching through the rest of camp here, Ian? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the top nine seems pretty set. Uh, there was a emerging guy that made an impact in a preseason game last night, which was uh, the 27th against the Rangers. Uh, AJ Greer scored uh, two goals, including the overtime game winner. He showed a lot of uh, chemistry with Jax Danica. Uh, you know, he's a second round pick from 2015. Hasn't really caught on in the NHL. Uh, played pretty well in the AHL last season. So, you know, that he could be a candidate to to play on the fourth line at times. 
goes back to that kind of Nick Felino question. You know, he's making $3.8 million a season. Do they give him the David Backus treatment and try to bury him in the minors? Do they try to trade him? Uh, it's a lot to play a fourth line guy for sure. When there's younger options, you might be able to contribute. Um, so when it comes to, you know, the top six set, um, I could see Trent Frederick maybe uh, being challenged by someone with a bit more offensive upside. Craig Smith has seemed like a trade candidate here for a little bit as they want to clear some cap space. Um, and then the fourth line, yeah, there's like five or six guys who could who could play down there. So Don Sweeney's got some work ahead of him to try to manage the cap, maybe assign some vets to the AHL, maybe try to trade them before the season. Uh, but really, it's just the fourth line that, that has to, to come together at this point. Later on, we're going to get Ian's sleeper pick for your fantasy team when it comes to the Boston Bruins. And for everything Bruins, make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Boston Bruins on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Coming up after the break, we're going to discuss the Ottawa Senators and how much, if any, does Ian and us, how do we think they've closed the gap with that large spread of points between them this past season. Just a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This is a crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, you are listening to a crossover of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Bruins podcast. Ian McLaren with us. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. And the nation's capital has some excitement with the moves that Pierre Dorian made throughout this offseason. Pilsy, are they going to bite on the ankles of the Boston Bruins, or do you still think that's a pretty big gap after this summer? I mean, that's what they're hoping towards. And uh, like we mentioned, the 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 slow start, hopefully, if you're a Sens fan looking at the Bruins that they'll have with uh, McAvoy and Marchand out, you hope to pick up some ground there. And uh, and it's going to be interesting because I think these are two teams that are kind of, the Sens are trending upwards, the, the Bruins might be trending downwards, and they might meet each other in the middle somewhere uh, throughout this season. So I think the battle between these two teams is going to be very interesting moving forward. Yeah, one, one question I have uh, for you guys is about about the goaltending. You know, there's uh, been a lot of switches around in the Atlantic Division. We could talk about the Leafs goaltending, arguably worse than it was last season. Uh, Cam Talbot, Anton Forsberg. We're going to talk about fantasy later, but in one of my keeper leagues, I had both Robin Leonard and Carey Price, who were both out for the season. I somehow managed to snag uh, both Cam Talbot, and Anton Forsberg, so I'm pretty invested in, in that pairing. Also have Mads Sogard as a keeper down the road. <laughs> nice. Uh, just to hedge there. Uh, do you guys see them being uh, a tandem that can kind of elevate the overall team performance and maybe 
make up for some shortcomings on the blue line for for the Ottawa Senators? Well, my favorite stat with Anton Forsberg, and if you were following closely, which I'm sure you were last year, is that the more rubber this guy faced, the better he did. I think mm-hmm. it was 8-2-1 and one in games where he made 40 or more saves, and he's going to have to have a few nights like that coming mm-hmm. up. But it, it's almost in the similar vein as when Ottawa acquired Craig Anderson. It was a journeyman goalie who couldn't really catch on anywhere, although had a few good performances along the way. People in Carolina that we spoke to absolutely loved what his work ethic was throughout, but he just never seemed to get that starter's role. I think one year he had about 30 games in Chicago, but never really had an extended opportunity. Comes here off of waivers and, and was just unreal. So mm-hmm. I think that if, if you weren't paying attention to Ottawa last year, and not you specifically, but the listener, um, mm-hmm. you might be like, this guy's 30 years old. He's played 100 games in the NHL, if that. Like, they're going to rely on this guy with all these expectations. But to me, he's the starter. Like, I know mm-hmm. it's a 1A, 1B situation, and Talbot's the more veteran player and, and all this. Similar upcomings, University of Alabama Huntsville for uh, Cam Talbot. You don't see that. <laughs> With a lot of guys. I think he won two out of his first 20 games with them. But I I just think right now you go with the incumbent. The guy who's gotten it done for you before. And then Cam Talbot is just an amazing insurance policy. When you consider the previous option was Philip Gustafson. Who I know Pilsy thought got a raw deal here. Moving up and down from the minors. But for me, he just wasn't reliable to win games for you last year especially. Mm -hmm. Pils, do you kind of echo that? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the thing is last year, the Ottawa Senators had to rely on Forsberg. There wasn't another option. Matt Murray was often on the shelf. You really couldn't rely on him to be healthy. Even on the day of, there was game days where he was supposed to Warm ups. And yeah, <laughs> hours before the game, he couldn't go. And I mean, your health is your health, so we can't put too much blame on it. You can only do what your body allows. But, but the best availability or best ability is availability. Uh, yeah, especially when you're looking at a starting goaltender. So it just didn't work with Matt Murray in Ottawa, unfortunately. Uh, and then Philip Gustafson, like Ross mentioned, I really think he didn't get the proper development path. He wasn't really given the the best opportunities to succeed when he was brought in. And he just wasn't ready for that type of role that the Senators needed. Now, Anton Forsberg can be the guy, but he doesn't have to be the guy. You have Cam Talbot that is very comfortable stepping up and being the 1A if that's necessary. So for DJ Smith to now have two reliable veteran goalies that gives this team a good chance to win on any given night, that's a game changer for this Ottawa Senators team. Yeah, Mm. agreed. Speaking of DJ Smith, um, you know, he's, he's done a pretty good job so far with a young Ottawa Senators team. Is there kind of elevated expectations for him as a coach to kind of take uh, his role to the next level or is it a situation where, you know, perhaps he could be on the hot seat to start the season if, if uh, this team kind of stumbles out of the gate and he's maybe replaced with a, a more established veteran head coach? Yeah, it's a great question. And I was wildly impressed when I saw that uh, I'm looking for it right now with uh, what was it exactly? Yes, he is the one longest serving head coach in Canada right now. <laughs> That's and crazy. he's like seventh in the league in wow. uh, in terms of how long he's been there. And we we know there's a lot this offseason. I think seven new head coaches. Mm-hmm. So that accelerated this. But he needs a good start. And yeah. last year, November, was a gong show for Ottawa. Not only they, – they and the Islanders were the first two teams to really go through COVID with 
I think they had 14 right. guys in protocol at one point. I think there was a game against the Bruins, uh, and and Calgary mm-hmm. was my favorite one. They got outshot oh. like 30 to 11 and <laughs> lost four nothing. And you're like, okay, like this would have been a bad lineup for Belleville, and we're playing this in an <laughs> NHL game on the first half of back to back. But that's neither here nor there. Coaches' circumstances don't always matter. It's a results driven business. And the last two years, first 20 games, four wins, identical. You just cannot have that. Mm-hmm. So you know what? That same time that McAvoy and Marshan are coming back, yeah. that's where I think the seat would get hot. If they haven't mm-hmm. won, I don't even expect them to fly out of the gates. I think it's going to take a while for the chemistry to develop between Stutzla, Giroux, and, and Debrinkit. That sentence is still wild to say. <laughs> uh, but I do think that you have to give those guys 10, 15 games where you just don't touch it. Just let them figure it out. They're veterans, at least the two wingers are, and, and Timmy's coming into his own. But with uh, with all that change, yeah, I think 25 games, if if they haven't at least sniffed 500 as a record, then mm-hmm. I'm looking to make a change. And The only question is, who's it going to be if, yeah. if, if it is? Because I don't think it would be a veteran. I, I know we, the Sens haven't really gotten a veteran head coach ever uh, yeah. in the past. And a wild stat, since Jacques Martin, no Senators head coach. And they've had a few. Corey Cluston, Craig Hartsburg, Paul McClain. Guy Boucher has ever been hired as a head coach again afterwards. So, I mean, that, that kind of tells you a little bit of something. And I mean, it's probably Troy Mann with Belleville. He's had rave reviews and he's kind of built this core up with the Norris, the Bathersons, the Formantons, all those guys coming up Mm -hmm. together. So I just don't know how much of a forward move that would be other than just being kind of a new voice. Cause I don't think they're going to bring in a Claude Julien or, you know, a really established veteran coach. Although, uh, you know, Elaine Vigneault would be kind of a funny one because he was an assistant coach for Rick Bonus way back in, like, 94. Oh, wow. So that would be kind of funny if, if they could somehow pull him out. But uh, I think that they would probably lean with uh, with the organization they've already got and, and Troy Mann. So I'm cheering for DJ, though. The players absolutely love playing for him. It's just a matter of – and he was himself a, a depth defenseman when he was playing, a, a physical, mm-hmm. rugged type. So you saw with the Bruins firsthand, like, Josh Brown, he loved Josh Brown yeah. in Ottawa. He loves Nikita Zaitsev, Erica Branson. Like, he's got an infinity for the guys who I guess he can relate to and how he played. And the only problem is you can have one of them, but you can't have too many or else you're just <laughs> yeah. going to be hemmed in your own zone all the time. Right. So that's the one area I'm looking for improvement is how he utilizes his decor this season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just talking about that, you know, there's been a lot of I think looking me looking at the Sens, the the defense is one big question mark. They obviously are loaded up front. They got the goalie tandem. Uh, is there still the possibility of maybe making a deal for a guy like Jacob Chitrin before the season begins, or are they gonna kind of rely on the guys that they have and and hope for uh, you know uh, stepping up from a guy like Eric Brandstrom or some of these younger guys that have yet to establish themselves. I mean, you know, Pierre Dorian has made it clear. If the right deal comes along, he'll pull the trigger. And if, if we're talking about pulling the trigger, he's basically got an empty clip now after the offseason <laughs> yeah. of all the yeah. things he pulled the trigger on. Trades, free agents, extensions, uh, shipping out bad contracts, all those kinds of things. So if the price is right for Jacob Chicken, I think absolutely the Ottawa Senators will be in there. I think it's... It's very widely uh, accepted that they're kind of the front runners for Chikrin, at least uh, in rumor mills uh, around the NHL. And the thing is, 
to get good players, you got to give up good players. And it mm. seems like the Arizona Coyotes are focused on Shane Pinto. And that is someone that Ross and I basically have as an untouchable. He's going to be mm. an incredible two-way pivot, third-line center. And Patrice Bergeron-esque. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've heard it. We've heard Patrice Bergeron uh, thrown in there. But uh, yeah. that's the thing. Like The Senators have locked up Josh Norris. They've locked up Tim Stutzla. They don't have to sign Pinto to a seven- or eight-year deal. But if they can get him on a longer term... You can have your top three centers all in their early 20s signed for a good amount of time. A lot of successful teams uh, build through the middle, and I think that's what the Ottawa Senators are looking for. But defense wins champions as well, and uh, defense wins championships, I should say, as well. So there's definitely work to be done there. So at some point, the Sens are going to have to make a decision. Can we give up these prospects that we've held so dearly and that our fans love and there's so much hope for? to get a guy that's ready right now. And I think personally, the move is more likely to happen at the deadline. Ian, I've kind of uh, echoed that. I think that's when the market shifts, you get different prices, Mm -hmm. you see where uh, the centers are at, if they're ready to make that investment. So for me, I think it's going to be okay up until then. But uh, if that price goes down on Chikrin, which it might now due to a couple Mm -hmm. things, him publicly saying, he, yeah. he wants to be traded. Yeah. The team wants yeah. to trade him. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Uh, that kind of changes the leverage there. And the massive news coming out just recently that the NHL salary cap is going to be yeah. going up considerably in the next couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe it in the third year is when it really takes a jump. So that's when you can start looking at your team and being like, okay, we have a forecast where we can fit a bunch more money into this situation. So yeah. I think definitely the defense is what needs upgraded. It's just when is the right time to do that? Right. And I think Makes the sense. X factor in all this is is the Alex Formanton situation with Hockey Canada. Right. Yeah, we're, we're still not sure at the time of recording. We have no update. But, mm-hmm. uh, of course, he was on that World Junior team. He also doesn't have a contract. And he was also kind of replaced. I mean, on a one-year deal. But Tyler Mott can come mm-hmm. in. And, and he was wearing an A in preseason already. And they oh, seem wow. to like him quite quite admirably. And to me, like Formanton plus plus is better than Shane Pinto plus because I just mm. think that he's he's the coach's dream. Like he, he's only played 17 NHL games, and I know it's not all him, but that was a bad Ottawa team he came up to in the COVID short year. They went 12 2 and 1 down the stretch with him in the lineup. Like yeah. he just, he's got this it factor to him. And some fans bought his North Dakota jersey, so it would be pretty <laughs> disrespectful for them to move on from him. But no, all jokes aside, like Shane Pinto. And this can actually kind of lead into the tease for our third segment is is X-Factor players and breakout candidates and sleepers. To me, Shane Pinto could be an X-Factor on this Ottawa Senators team. Who does Pilsy think will be a Sens X-Factor? And who's a sleeper? We're going to get Ian McLaren's take on some Bruins that might be available a little later on in your fantasy draft. But you should pull the trigger if you can. All that coming up on a crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. All right, you're listening to a crossover edition of Locked On Senators with Locked On Bruins. Ian McLaren's with me. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. We've covered the Bruins. We've covered the Sens. And now it's time to look at some individuals who could make a big impact. I've already led the way with Shane Pinto. Ian, who's a guy where the success of the Bruins hinges on his production? Uh, It's a guy I haven't mentioned uh, yet. We've talked about Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, obviously, the big guys, Krejci. Uh, but I think you need to look at uh, a guy like Taylor Hall, uh, yep. who could be a real X factor for this team. That second line of Hall, Krejci, Pasternak, 
could arguably be the number one producing line for the Bruins this season. Uh, one of the better second lines you'll find around. And, you know, last season, Hall and Pasternak played together. Uh, they really uh, developed some really good chemistry, and it was to the point where I was saying it, it didn't really matter who played down the middle with them because um, Taylor Hall has some playmaking ability and Pasternak has the finish. Now you have a guy like Krejci who can uh, he can put the puck in the net on his own. He is a, a pretty good playmaker as well. So you have those three guys coming down. Uh, Pasternak commands a lot of attention. Might have Taylor Hall open on the left side. There's going to be some options there. So he'll have a better center who can get him the puck. Uh, he's you know, not uh, going to blow you away with goal totals. Uh, per se, but I could see him, yeah, easily. I think I saw on the Athletics fantasy projections, they had him producing fewer goals and points than he did last season, and that just hmm. uh, that just blew my mind. I, I don't see how that's possible. I could see him uh, maybe not hitting the levels that he did when he was league MVP, but certainly, you know, challenging for 25 goals, uh, 45 assists perhaps, and, and having nice... 70-point season, and that's a guy that kind of forgotten in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. but, and you'll be able to, to draft him in, in most fantasy leagues, you know, mid, maybe even late-round pick. So uh, wow. don't sleep on Taylor Hall, I don't think. Yeah, that's a good call. I probably am sleeping on him because I'm still mad about that rumored trade one-for-one for, one for <laughs> Cody Ceci uh, from years yeah. ago, and they just didn't get ownership <laughs> approval in time. Next thing you know, he's sent to New yeah. Jersey for Adam Larson. Uh, one for one there so I'm still mad about that but yeah he obviously brings a ton of speed and with that Mm -hmm. can open up space for David Pasternak and that lethal release that we touched on in the first segment I like that call Ian Pilsy when you look at the Bruins team before getting to Ottawa who's a guy that you have circled as a guy who you're nervous about when they play the sets well the one guy I'm really circling is David Krejci Uh, you mentioned it uh, Ian he's going to be in between Taylor Hall and uh, Pasternak here like those are two lethal guys. However, it's been a while since he's been back in the NHL. He missed two seasons, right? Uh, it was just the one one season. He he played oh, just back the one? in Czechia. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so he's coming back to the NHL. No, no Marchand. Things are going to be looking a little different than the Bruins. He left. So I'm going to be interested to see how his return to the NHL goes. Sure. He's David Krejci. He's still a great player, and when you have wingers like that. But he is getting up there in age, and this league is becoming more and more a young man's game with speed and skill being the name of it. So that's a guy that, for me, I think you could probably get a little later in uh, fantasy drafts because people forget that he's coming back. Mm -hmm. And anytime you're in between uh, uh, a guy like Taylor Hall and then uh, David Pasternak, that's going to be massive, especially past past in a contract year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, He's going to be looking to light it up. Yeah, no doubt. Nine points in 11 playoff games before he took off. So the production mm-hmm. was still there. 44 points in, in 51 games. The goal totals are, are way down, but still producing. And I don't think he's going to have to be the trigger man on a line with those two guys there. So yeah, exactly. I like that as well. So the Bruins second line getting some love there, uh, if you want to call it that. But I think whoever Patrice Bergeron is playing with, that's the first line yeah. by default in uh, sure. in my books. Uh, all right, Pilsy, the Ottawa Senators, your X-Factor coming into this upcoming season. I'm going to keep a consistent, Ross. Uh, my X factor for the other crossover shows has been Drake Batherson. I think this is someone that people outside of the Sens fans, they kind of forget because he had that long injury. He was 
the Ottawa Senators named All-Star before he got injured, uh, unfortunately. And he finished off the season with 44 points in 46 games. Basically a point-per-game guy. He's slated to stay on that top line with Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and then Drake Batheson. He's probably going to play top power play minutes. Like This guy is just poised, if he can stay healthy, to have another amazing season. And I think when you get the Debrinkets, the Stutzlas, the Norrises, all those other guys, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. So that's someone that I think is going to have a massive impact for the Ottawa Senators and could be a real steal in fantasy drafts. Yeah, and another guy is just starting to scratch the surface. And if you look at every level he's played at, the second year, he just takes off. Like in the AHL, the second year he was there, unbelievable. And you could say it's his third year, but, you know, he played 20 games or so the first one, and it was under Guy Boucher, so that doesn't even count. And then uh, you get uh, you get what you saw in that shortened season, and then, yeah, Aaron Dell, I don't know if you remember that play, and in the middle of last year, it was just a, a, a brutal, like, knee-on-knee in a, in a weird spot, yeah, yeah. and he got turned around behind the net. And, Not even a uh, knee-on-knee, Aaron Dell he, like, legitimately oh, yeah, went up. out of his way and, <laughs> and checked him outside of the i think it was even outside of the trapezoid there like just yeah. not a mm-hmm. hockey play whatsoever and it no, ends up in a high ankle injury. sprain too and that's just a brutal yeah. injury to recover from so he was at a point per game if not a little bit ahead of it beforehand and uh it was tough for him when he got back and we should mention as well he was on that world junior team and, and there's no update about what's going on there he is under contract and and one of the steals in the league i'd say mm-hmm. uh signed under five million dollars for the next four seasons uh, and if the cap's going up and that looks more like a, a 3.54 million, that's uh, that's unreal yeah. value for a guy who can uh, play make. He can he can kill penalties when he has to. His uh, player comparable when he did the draft thing was Mark Stone uh, when, when he was way younger. And you see a little bit of that. I want to see him take mm-hmm. another step defensively this year, but active stick on, on the defensive side. And he's grown four inches since his draft too. So that's obviously allowed him uh, to protect pucks better along the boards. But yeah. Pilsy, I like that for you. Um, as we wrap up, Ian, your final prediction: Like, are the Bruins still a playoff team? And if so, are they the wild card, or do you think they could challenge one of the big dogs in Tampa, Toronto, and Florida? I think uh, I think they are still a playoff team. I think once they're healthy, they're arguably better than they were last year. You know, you flip Halla for Krejci, second line center, huge upgrade. Uh, Pavel Zaka, I think, can bring some nice. Uh, Skill, you know, he's going to probably be on the third line once once Brad Mershane comes back. So that uh, will be a benefit to them. You know, I look around the Atlantic and I see, yeah, Ottawa, Detroit moving up a bit. I see Florida taking a step back this season, I think. They're not as good as they were last year. Uh, Toronto, their situation in net. John Tavares going to be injured to start the season. Uh, I don't think they're a sure thing. Uh, you know, top three, top four for sure, but, you know, they're Toronto, so they'll always figure out a way to, to mess things up. Um, I could see Boston probably sticking in that wild card spot again this season. Uh, I could see them sneaking into the top three, Florida moving down a bit, maybe Tampa, because they won't necessarily have the gas on in the in the regular season. They know that if they can get in the playoffs, they have a team that can go far. They can beat Toronto in Game Seven on home ice or in Toronto. I mean, um, anyone can do that, though. Yeah, exactly. So I can see the Bruins sneaking into the to, to the third spot, perhaps. Uh, but definitely, I have no, uh, <laughs> I have no, uh, no question that they're still a playoff team uh, in my mind, especially when healthy. I got this so fast. 
on, on the trigger here. If anyone's watching on YouTube, we pulled this up with almost every division preview we've done. And we got to ask you the same question, Ian. Who in this leaf pile is your favorite with the emotion uh, on their face? There's lots to choose from. I'm going to go with uh, the guy on the left, second row, the glasses. Oh, yeah. On his head there. Yeah, yeah. he looks like yeah, he's just he's, seen uh, God. He's about ready to, to keel over, I think. <laughs> Um, do you guys have a nice relationship with Tampa Bay Lightning since you've handed the torch off to them as the team that disjoints uh, the Leafs in round one? I mean, I, I still I don't root for for the Lightning. Uh, it's it's tough to to see a team that good. Um, I mean, it's nice to see them beat Toronto, but you know they beat the <laughs> Bruins a couple of years prior to that in the, in the second round, and uh, you know. I'd like to see another team kind of take the mantle in, in the Eastern Conference for sure. The hey, would have been more, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'd be more on board if uh, Steve Eiserman was still the general manager. You know, pride in the P in Ontario. Yes, nice. sir. Um, oh, he was one of my favorites growing up. Uh, so I would have rooted for him maybe, but uh, yeah, not not the not the Lightning so much. Nice, Bills. You got something? Um, what, uh, what do you think is, is the best path for, uh, the Ottawa centers to make the playoffs? Do you think it's, they need to find a way to bounce a team out of, out of the Atlantic or it, in my opinion, I think it's going to be bouncing a team out of the Metro. Do you, do you think yeah. that's uh, kind of the more, more likely path here? Yeah, I could see that where it's a, a five and three split between the Atlantic yeah. and, and the Metro. Uh, you know, there's, there's a couple upstart teams in the, the Metro that I could see challenging, like, you know, the New Jersey Devils always expected to make a bit of a jump. I think Jack Hughes is going to be uh, massive this season. They got some goaltending uh, going on for them, but I can see Washington taking a step back. Yep. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, they're not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any really sure things in the Metro besides the Hurricanes and probably the Rangers. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's it's pretty wide open, I think. So yeah, I could see a, a a team like Ottawa grabbing that second wall card spot and uh, beating out one of those more established teams. It doesn't have to be just be Boston. Everybody's focusing on Ottawa catching, you know, Boston or whatever. But yeah, that Metro uh, crossover can't be discounted either. And Ian is really warming himself up to Sens fans as we did our Locked On NHL uniform polls. And what did you say Ottawa's? Top three for you? I love Ottawa's jerseys, yeah. I mean, going from the old one to the one they have now, it was like, it's night and day. I, I, uh, you know, I I grew up in Ottawa, love the old look, love the 2D logo. I think it's, uh, you know, the black with the 2D logo. Uh, and that those heritage jerseys that they rocked a few years ago as well were were beautiful. The, too, the so black I'm, ones or the red ones? Uh, the black ones, just the more the black yeah. there. Yeah, yep. yeah, those are beautiful. So yeah, I I would say they're they're top three for me for sure. Those jerseys, I love them. Hell yeah! Well, we love having you on. We also love that the regular season is just around the corner. The Ottawa Senators home opener is against the Boston Bruins, so we'll be sure to touch base with you around that time, get a little crossover action going throughout the season. For and sure. before, during, and after that, you can always subscribe to Locked On Bruins wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Same can be said for the Locked On Senators podcast. For Ian McLaren and Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been another edition 
of the Locked On Atlantic Division preview right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day.